Praise the Lord. Lord, we bless you today as we lift up our hearts and hands. We just declare that you're an awesome God and our eyes are fixed on you. I, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just be welcome as we open the Word of God today, that it would be life-giving. I pray for each one of us today that there would be a voice within my voice, that the Spirit of God would speak to us. Lord, show us truth in life and show us, Lord, in the way that you have for us. And we welcome you today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Give your neighbor a high five. Tell him you're looking good today. And you may be seated. Well, turn your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. You need to pray for me today. I'm not doing real good. Today's the last day of turkey season in Arkansas. I know, you carry the burden, it's hard. And the smart aleck that made fun of me earlier, I will get even with him. Make him buy me lunch. First Peter chapter 5. We've been talking a, a, a series that I've been doing called Voices. And the idea is very plain and simple. Everyone can understand it from the deepest to the shallowest among us. If I listen to the right voice, I'll go on the path of success. And if I listen to the wrong voice, I'll end up in a ditch. It's very clear, but we've been looking back at the Bible, going back to the Scriptures, see what the Bible would tell us, biblical characters, biblical truth. First Peter chapter 5. This morning I want to talk to you about listening to the wrong voice. A voice that is constantly there, and not just a voice that you might hear with your ear, per se, as you're hearing my voice, but a voice that will somehow influence the way that I think and the choices I make. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, it says, Be alert and sober-minded. That is, to be watchful, to be on your guard. To be sober-minded is not to live in confusion, not to, not to live in kind of a haphazard way, but be very deliberate about the day in which we live. On a serious note, I do love the outdoors. I, I love to hunt, but I can tell you this time of the year, I have my snake boots on, but I'm still watching where I'm walking because, let me know, you could just walk on top of a little critter and he could bite you. So that same sense of alertness is what God says to have spiritually. Now, this verse was written to the believers by Peter that were under persecution. There was suffering in their day. Perhaps the same thing that we could even see in America today. It's amazing how Christianity that birthed our founding fathers that gave us this great nation is now being marginalized and in many cases, in many cases just put to the sidelines today. But there's persecution that was going on. And here's what his, his response and his understanding. Alert, sober-minded, because your enemy, the devil, notice now, he prowls around like a... Now, isn't that interesting? A roaring lion, a cruel, ferocious beast that's intent on destroying his prey. And that's exactly what he's saying is what Satan is trying to do to them and to us. Um, the scripture goes on to say that we are to, what? Resist him and standing firm in the faith. That is, whatever he tries to do. He's in the back in case you want to check him out. But I'm intrigued by the fact that why did Peter say a roaring lion? Why didn't he? It would have scared me just as much if he'd have said your enemy is like a lion. I mean, when I go to the zoo and I see that tremendous creature behind the, the bars, my first intent is not to stick my hand towards the plexiglass. It's to pull back a little bit. But when he says roaring, I suggest to you he's referring to the voice of the lion. Now, this voice of the lion, they say that if it's a still day on the plains, that you can hear this roar up to five miles away. Now, that's incredible. Five miles away on the plains. This voice is so strong and pronounced that if it's dust where he is, his roar can literally cause dust to rise from the earth. 
Now, there's many purposes of the voice, but one in particular is his intent to control his territory. And I want to suggest to you that Satan, through his voice, will try to control our lives. He'll try to influence us. Now, when I speak of Satan's voice, I'm, I'm talking about what goes in on our mind. I'm talking about how he influences our thinking. I'm, I'm talking about our, our feelings. I'm talking about impressions in our mind. I'm even talking about dreams. I mean, I'm sure you, like I have at times, woken up and you know that it was kind of a demonic dream. It was not a godly dream. So somehow the Bible, as we'll look today, the, uh, the Bible teaches that Satan tries to influence the way that we think. He does this by speaking lies. He does this by tempting us. We'll talk about these two today. Next week we'll talk about his accusations and his offenses, all intended as the wrong voice to lead us in the wrong pathway. Now, there are psychological disorders today. If you were to go in to see a mental health professional, they would talk to you about if you're listening to voices, you could need some, you could need some psychiatric care. I, I read an article today from, or yesterday actually, from Psychology Today, and it said that not all the voices that people hear are bad voices. Sometimes the voices are good and they guide you. But unlike the Bible, modern psychology basically has drawn a circle around naturalism, just as evolution, and said there is no God out there. There's nothing but us. Actually, an article I read yesterday, a trend in psychology, is to believe that we literally don't even have a soul. Now, they've gotten rid of God. If God's not there, then there's no accountability. And if I don't have a soul, if I don't have a spirit, I'm just some hunk of organic matter with impulses. But I want to tell you, my friends, the Bible says that I'm created in the image of God. The Bible says that, 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 that God's nature lives in me as a Christian. The Bible says that I'll stand before God and give an account for my life one day. But the Bible also tells us that there are spiritual influences in the world that break through this veil of naturalism. Uh, I don't think you have to have a Ph.D. in psychology to know that if you're driving down the road and this voice whispers in your ear to drive your car into the bridge column at 70, how many know that's not a good thing? And and I suggest to you that there are influences like that that just seem natural to the way that we think that have a demonic root and origin. That's what I'm going to teach you about today is I've entitled this The Wrong Voice. And this will be part one as we talk about the liar's voice and then the tempter's voice. Let's look at it today. John chapter 8, the liar's voice. Now Jesus is speaking to a group of religious people. They're the Pharisees in this context. And I mean, it's like Jesus walking into a Sunday school class. It's like Jesus coming in the cafe today and, and having a religious con a conversation with religious people. But notice what he says. He said, you're of your father, the devil. Now, how many know those are fighting words? That's why Jesus crucified them, because Jesus spoke the truth, and they had believed a, a lie, and they re re responded with violence. You're of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Now, isn't that incredible? They were being influenced to be Satan's pawns and didn't even know it. Satan was influencing their lives, and I suggest that same influence can influence you and I today. I suggest to you that you can read your Bible and pray and go to church, but still there is a liar's voice that's trying to get you off base. Jesus said, he, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning, and he doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Listen, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. And then what's it say? For he is a, a liar and the father of lies. Isn't that interesting? So my question to you is, who's he lying to? He's lying to anyone that will listen. 
Remember in Peter's verse when when Peter told us that he's out there as a roaring lion, that we're to do what? Resist him. So he will speak lies to anyone that will listen, and as we listen to his lies, we accomplish his will. It's no more basic than that. I mean, if you're being lied to today, and I've got to admit to you, I become more cynical the older I get. As I listen to things in the newspaper, as I read them, as I read things on the Internet, as I, as I listen to, to, to people, politicians, others talk to me, I have to stop because I've learned that you can't believe everything they're saying. And it's almost like some people, you know, when they're lying, every time they open their mouth. I mean, we live in a world like that, and it's sad we live in a world like that, and we're being manipulated, particularly in election season. I'm amazed at the flyers and the advertisement that come my, comes my way. I mean, it's popular to be a conservative. In this past election cycle, every piece of mail I got in my mailbox, I'm a conservative. It's almost like people are telling us things that we want to hear, so we'll do what they want us to do. And that's the world. We, well, that's exactly the way this spiritual influence works. You see, a liar wants you to believe something untrue. Now, how many know the only way that you can know the difference between a lie and the truth is if you know the truth? See, if I know the shepherd's voice, I won't follow the false shepherd. If I know the shepherd's word, come on, I'll be able to know when a lie is coming my way. Let me illustrate this with my wife just a second. I want you to imagine we're at the Miller house, and it's, it's Thanksgiving or so, something, and Linnell is standing in the living room, and each one of us come behind her, and our own natural voice is, Mom, guess who this is? And it's, oh, it's Rebecca. Mom, okay, who am I? Well, you're Bethany. Who am I? You're John. And who are you? No, no. Who am I? Uh, you're my husband. And she has no, no, she doesn't have to guess. She's not going to scratch her head because we're not sitting here going, who am I? <laughs> You're just speaking in a natural voice, a voice that she has heard for years, a voice that she knows that's the truth. And she doesn't have to guess about it. Well, listen, friends, you and I should have that same voice. Come on. When Jesus is speaking to us, and then when the deceiver, the liar, is talking to us, we should know that it's not someone that's there for us that's good. And it's that kind of discernment. That's what, thank you, honey. That's what Jesus had in the 40-day temptation. You remember after 40 days of temptation, or uh, uh, fasting, rather, then Satan, literally, you read this in the Scripture, before Jesus started his public ministry, he's 30 years of age. It's, it's, it's at this context of time where he's about to be baptized in water. The Holy Spirit's going to come on him. He's going to call his apostles. But the first thing he does is he has a conversation with the devil. Forty days, Satan comes to him. And I want to suggest to you that at least one, if not two, of these encounters with Satan could have been in his mind. When Jesus either saw him or heard these words or had this thought, turn this stone into bread. Now, how many know if it's been 40 days, you're pretty hungry because you hadn't eaten? It was a supernatural thing. And this thought came to his mind, whether he saw Satan, Lucifer, and he talked to him, or whether it just came to his mind, Jesus recognized the lie, and what did he say? It is written. written. Come on. It is written. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Jesus responded to the lie with the truth. Now, with that thought, let's, let's look at a passage today, Acts chapter 5, because the same liar is working today in you. The same liar is whispering in your ear. He'll tell you things like you're sitting in a classroom and you're not prepared for the test and you know you need to make a, a good grade and your friend just happens to have his or her answers over there and, and there's a temptation to, to look and the liar says, go ahead, it won't make any difference anyway. Come on, situation ethics today, it doesn't matter how you get the grade, it's just the grade that counts. But the liar will say it's not a big deal to steal. 
It's not a big deal to take something that doesn't belong to you. You see a cell phone lying in the, in the locker room or, or a billfold. Well, it's not yours, but in today's th- thought process, it's your fault if you left your billfold there and it's my blessing. Well, listen, the truth would say you're stealing. But there's a thought process that can not only touch us, but it can touch a whole culture. There's, there's two major worldviews that are in collision today. Abortion. I mean, think about it. Somehow in America, we've come to the place to where children are not even recognized to have humanity until they are born out of their mother's womb. And there's even a push in America today that if you change your mind and that child is just born, it's called a post-birth abortion. Somehow we've lost the fact that children are created in the image of God and they bear the stamp of God. So we live in a world today that affects not only individuals, but it affects cultures. It affects political parties. It, it, it affects classrooms. When, the, pre, when the, uh, the biology professor, and she can stand up and boldly say that there is no God. Remember the movie God's Not Dead, and I, I hope you saw that. Great movie. God's, not de- God's dead, so let's just forget about that. These voices, these lies are part of our culture, and if we're not exposed to the truth, that's why it's so important to read your Bible. There's a Bible guide in the back of your chair if you don't have one. You can also download it on your app every day. I encourage you to read a couple chapters of the Bible. This morning I read uh, something from the Gospels. I believe it was Luke. And I read something from Daniel this morning because I, I allow God's Word to wash me. Well, Satan wants us to believe a lie. Look at Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira. Now, the story here is in the, the, the uh, book of Acts. A marvelous thing has happened. The day of Pentecost, the church has been born. Thousands of people have come to Christ. The problem, though, is they came to Jerusalem from all over the Roman Empire for this feast of Pentecost. And now the problem is is that uh, they they don't have any money. (laughs) They didn't bring enough clothes and baggage and money to be able to stay there for a long, long time. They perhaps planned to go for a couple days and go back home. Just as if you and I took a little trip to Dallas, a weekend trip, you may take a couple suitcases, but you're not going to take everything you own. You're not going to bring a U-Haul for a couple-day trip. Well, that was the deal. All these Christians are there, and what was happening is people that had wealth and means, they were supporting their brothers and sisters that were in need. It's not Christian socialism. It was a response to a specific need, and it was all willful. Well, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, two Christians that were there, they sold a piece of property. Now, I want you to imagine selling a rent house. Let's say you're, you see all these Christians there. There's thousands of them. You've invited some to live at your house. There's not enough room. So now you need to you know, rent some space in the, in, in, in the local Holiday Inn. And uh, you're out of money too. So, but you, you had a rent house. And let's imagine you sell that rent house. Uh, now, the Scripture says, verse 2, He kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it at the apostle, and laid it at the apostles' feet. The New Living Translation says he claimed it was the full amount. Let's say, for example, this rent house was $50,000. After all the commissions, he netted $50,000. They've got a pile of $100 bills. But when he brought it to the apostles to give it to the poor, he said it was forty. So the problem was not what he gave. The problem is that he lied. Now I want you to listen to this next verse 3. Peter said, Ananias, and I want you to say this with me. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. Let's say that again. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie? He said, how did he do that, Pastor? I don't know. All I can tell you is somehow the voice influenced him. Uh, This phrase, filled your heart, literally means he controlled you or he influenced you. 
Now hear this. Another translation says, Satan has brought your mind to lie to the Holy Spirit. How did he do that? I don't know. But somehow this thought, this impression, this feeling, this idea came into their mind and it was not of God. And rather than resisting it, they took it into themselves. And you see what happened. Uh, well, basically, verse 4, uh, Peter said, Hey, look, before you sold that, it was yours. Nobody had a right to it. It was, it was yours. And after it was sold, it was still your right, your disposal to do whatever you wanted to with your money. But why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? Now listen, you've not lied to man but to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and he died. Now that is a huge, you know, striking story there. But I'll suggest to you that God had birthed the church on Pentecost and God was calling His people to support their brothers and sisters, but Satan was right in there trying to hinder the work of God and he caused Ananias to believe a lie. He wanted to bring hypocrisy in with this lie and uh, obviously uh, hinder things. So this is how it works. Satan whispered something in his ear and it literally cost him his life. Now I suggest to you that Satan is lying to people in church even today. Have you ever had a thought in church? Nobody cares about me here. Nobody cares about me in that church. The Bible's really not true. I mean, after all, that was written by people that didn't have the science and technology. The Bible's really not true. Or maybe during the prayer time, something in your heart, you know, you feel to respond to come to prayer because you need prayer, but you have this thought in your mind, and this thought says, uh, you can pray for yourself. You don't need to go up there. Even though the Bible says if two of you agree is touching anything, God will hear and God will answer. But you have this thought in your mind, you don't need to go up there. I mean, you've been prayed for before. They'll even be at the end of the service, I guarantee you. I'll make a, 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 a call for people to become Christians. Not join our church, but give your heart to Christ. And I guarantee you, some people will have this thought that says this. Don't do that in front of all those people. You don't want those people seeing you. You can pray when you get in the car. And what happens when you get in the car, you don't pray. I mean, no, there's something about the presence of the Lord. Maybe a voice said, when, when, when Larry was talking about our, our, our buildings that we need, maybe a voice said, I knew it, all they want is my money. Now, if you've known me for 24 years, you know that that's not true. You know that we love everybody in this church. But how many know the voice sounds real? And the voice will get us to do something that will cause us to end in a ditch. My advice to you, listen, is ignore his voice. Come on, ignore the voice of the liar and listen to the right voice. Come on, give Jesus a big hand today. Let me give you another one that we can all relate to. Not only the liar's voice, but the tempter's voice. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul is writing to the believers in a church in Thessalonica. And he said, when I could bear it no longer, I wanted to learn about your faith because I fear somehow the... See, when I do that, that means I want you to say what's on the screen. The tempter has tempted you. I fear that the tempter has tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Now, what's that mean? He's concerned that people who are professing Christians, that somehow Satan would come in and then pull them back into a life of sin and they would give up the Christian faith. He says, Satan has the power through temptation to pull me in a ditch spiritually. And I can tell you, it, it, it's true. Listen, you know people and I know people that have walked with God at one time in their life, but somehow temptation came back in. An old girlfriend came back in. A desire for drugs came back in. Come on. Violence came back in. They ended up in jail. Something of their old life came back in, and it pulled them in a ditch. 
Now, let's understand uh, temptation and how it works. Genesis chapter 3, uh, I believe this literally happened. That there was a serpent literally talked to Adam or talked to Eve. Adam uh, went along with it. I don't believe that uh, the pages of Genesis are all myth. I don't believe there's some uh, tale. I, I literally believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Uh, I, literally, I literally believe that God created the heavens and the earth. And I literally believe that a serpent had this conversation with Eve. Now, notice how it went. The scripture says the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. Now, at this particular time, the Bible would even suggest that the serpent even walked, that he was upright, because part of the curse is he would crawl on his belly on the ground. We saw a snake in our uh, driveway <laughs> yesterday I, or day before we come home, and there was this king snake, which is a good snake, by the way, and, uh, and, and he was just slithering across our driveway, and my wife said, Honey, kill it, kill it, kill it. How many know uh, sexual equality and all that goes out the window when it comes to mice and snakes and those kind of things? I, I'm just, 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 just throwing that out there, just, just, you know, some cultural observation by some old god. Anyway, he's slithering, and normally I agree with her that the only good snake is... Yeah, I agree with that, uh, as long as you know that it's a bad one. But in this case, it was a good one, and, and, and off he went. Um, but this serpent is talking to Eve, and he said to the woman, Did God really say... Have you ever found yourself questioning the Bible? Did God really say that? Is it really true that a man should be married to a woman? Come on now. Is it, is it, is it really wrong that two men would marry or two women would marry? That culture is asking that question now, but they don't, they don't care about the words of the Bible. But this is where Satan starts. Did God really say? Did God really create the world, uh, create people, or are we a product of evolution? Is it, is it really wrong? I mean, come on. Is it really wrong to smoke pot? I mean, come on. Forget the fact that it destroys brain cells. Forget the fact that, you know, it can inhibit your driving just like, you know, just like uh, alcohol does. Uh, forget the fact that it can be a gateway drug. Just forget all that just a second. Is it, is it really, really wrong? But because if all the people you're listening to says it's not wrong, come on, and you're not going to listen to the right voice, you'll, you'll end in the ditch. Did God really say you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? Well, the woman knew what God said. She said, hey, we can eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden or you'll die. Don't you imagine whatever kind of tree it was? Who knows? Let's say it's a beautiful apple tree, gala apples or whatever your favorite is. There's this apple tree and there's a fence around it. Now, that fence was not there to keep them from something good. When God puts a fence around your marriage and says that I want you to be happy and enjoy and satisfied with the wife of your youth, it's not because He wants to withhold something good from you. It's because He wants to spare you and protect you from something evil. Hear me now. If, you keep, if you're a young person today, if you keep your virginity, laughed at in the locker rooms, but if you maintain your virginity in marriage, you'll never have to worry about getting a sexually transmitted disease. You'll never have to worry about having an abortion. Come on. You'll never have to worry about comparing your future mate today to a series of other people. You'll never have the same distractions and temptations. So what the world says, God is trying to hurt you by withholding things from you. It's actually a protect. His commandments are to protect us from things that would be harmful. So Satan is in his face now. You're not going to die. The serpent said, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. So now not only is God uh, withholding good things, I have a chance, if I believe the lie, to get something better. 
Well, she saw, here's the eye gates. You know, the Bible speaks that our eyes are the, not just the windows of our soul. Joel said, uh, Job said he made a covenant with his eyes. In his case, not to look lustfully on a woman. But it could be a covenant for anything that you wouldn't behold, that you just turn your back, that you walk away. Well, verse 6, when the woman saw the fruit was good, pleasing to the eye, desirable for wisdom, she ate it. She gave it to her husband. The knucklehead hadn't said anything thus far. He should have taken the hoe in the garage and cut that head, snake's head off. Or he should have better yet. He should have just pulled out his pistol and shot it. That's what he should have done. Come on. And then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. Not only were they naked, but their whole world fell apart. What Satan didn't tell them is your kids are going to start killing each other. Satan didn't tell them you're about to have pain in life. You're going to step on stickers, and there's going to be mosquitoes. Come on, the IRS will come one day. He didn't say that. All he said was, this is going to be something good for you. She listened to the wrong voice, and it cost her everything. The word is, don't fall into the trap. Because I'm telling you, there is a trap there is a tempter's voice that he wants to speak to you. Let me show you a little picture here. There is a voice of the tempter. Now, that's a critter somewhere between the size of a mouse and a rat, four of which, two of which were in my truck and two of which were in Linnell's car for three weeks. We, uh, my wife collects stuff for missions everywhere she goes, and we were in Dallas at a pastor's conference, so she got these bags, these gift bags, uh, and, and then she got these uh, boxes of T-shirts. But critters were living in them, so now they're living in our truck. And that happens to be a live trap. And uh, you, can, you can see the, the cheese and the tortillas. This is a Mexican mouse, I guess. He... he <laughs> You know, he liked Mexican food. He went in. There's a little side door, and he's looking up. And you can just—you don't have to be a mind reader to know that he's saying, "I'm in trouble," because he's in the trap. And that's exactly what the tempter wants to do to you and me—is get us in a trap. See, it happens. It happens every day. Satan tempts us to sin against God. Now, hear me. Is it possible that it's the voice of Satan speaking to you when you're just at the computer? And Victoria's Secret ad pops up, come on, that's a little more lustful than Victoria should be. Or you're just walking through the mall and you say, my God, hopefully your wife will do that. Now see, ladies, you may not understand this, but men are, 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 are very much oriented by sight. And it doesn't take much. Is it just possible that that same voice would invite you back to that same website? And is it just possible that if you click on that website, you're going to see Victoria's sister? And is it just possible that Victoria's sister is going to find your name on Facebook? Come on. And you're going to get solicitations. And is it just possible that a voice is saying, go ahead, it's not going to make any difference. Go ahead, everybody else is doing it. Going ahead, listen, it'll just spice up your life a little bit. Is it just possible that there's a voice? And when you're sitting in the house visiting with Victoria and your wife is perhaps in the kitchen and she's saying, uh, honey, dinner's almost ready. What are you doing? Oh, I'm looking for a birthday present for you. That's a joke, okay? <laughs> Victoria, remember? That's where you were. Is it just possible that a voice... Because here's something. This voice will lead you to a place one day. Perhaps that voice will then, once you're comfortable looking... See, the Bible tells us to be satisfied with the wife of our youth. But when the voice has got you looking around, and this goes two ways, and then the voice said, I want you to look up an old boyfriend on Facebook. It just thought just came in my head. Where did that thought come from? I, 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 just, I just had a thought. 
I'm thinking, I just want to see what my old friends are doing. And before you know it, you're hooked. There's another picture of, of his friend. This one is a little different. This is a rat trap, the old-timey kind that had the little spring on it. And this little cheese is just saying, hey, come here, come here, come here. Take a bite, take a bite, take a bite. Smell it. Oh, it's a, just take a bite, take a bite, take a bite. That's how you end up on the front page of the Texarkana Gazette in an orange jumpsuit. You listen to the wrong voice. James 1 verse 14. The people in the first service, they didn't, weren't saying a peep. I know they were guilty. I'm glad that you're doing well. James 1 14. Each person is tempted, you got it, when he is lured and enticed. When he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Now, here's something every one of us in this room know. Every one of us knows what our struggles are. I know what mine are. There's something that, what are they, by the way? <laughs> My sin is gossip, and I, I, I would like to pray for you if, 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 if I could. You know what your struggles are, and I know too. And isn't it amazing that that's where the tempter comes? Look, you're not going to tempt me with heroin. You're just not. But there's other things that I can be tempted with. And it begins with our desires. These desires, this is why it's so important not to open doors in your childhood. This is why it's so important if you can maintain your innocence, if you can maintain your virginity, if you can maintain purity in life. If you can turn the TV shows off, come on, rather than just keep pushing the boundaries, you'll have less struggles as an adult. Scripture says, listen, you're lured and enticed by your own desires. Then when desire has conceived, that is when you said yes, when you click the button, when you went to the Facebook page, it gives birth to what? Sin. See, now in the world today, there's no such thing as sin. In the world today that disregards this, you get to determine what's right and wrong in life. You get to make up the own rules. Not so with, with, in the real world that, uh, that God has created. Desire gives birth to sin. Sin when it is what? Fully grown brings forth death. That's why most people, the first time you sin, nothing happens. You only feel good. Now, you have conviction of the Holy Spirit till about the third or fourth time, and then the conviction goes away because your heart has hardened. I know it. It's like calluses on your hand. You start work raking in the spring or the fall, and, and all of a sudden you're hurting, and you just want your wife to share in some of the exercise out in the yard because it was a joke. Because you have blisters on your hand because your skin was tender. But then you keep working at it, and a callus forms, and it no longer bothers you. That, that's what happens here. But the thing that we're not aware of is sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. So this is why... When the, the voice whispers, go ahead, one, one line of cocaine will not hurt you. One little hit of meth is not a big deal. I mean, you just want to see if you like it. Come on. One, whatever. You just fill in the blank. But listen, friends, one can spring the trap in your life, and one can hook you. This idea of being enticed, and this is a great illustration of how the tempter works. When I was about 14, I, I, I loved to fish. I was raised out in the country, and my, my, my parents gave me a brand-new rod and reel. It was a little Mitchell spinning reel. I was so proud of it. And my uncle, Uncle Earl, would come uh, uh, and fish, you know, at our, at our farm every weekend. 
Anyway, it was spawning season, like right now, and under this willow tree, there was this bass. I'll never forget this. And her, 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 her fins, her top fins were sticking up above the water. I mean, she was big. For me, six or seven pounds was real big in a farm pond. And, and I can remember every artificial lure in my tackle box. Little red worm, the black worm, the rapala minnow, you know, the, the spinner bait. None of it worked. But I got a big minnow from my uncle, and I took a gold hook. Now, you would think a fish would look at that hook and think of that line and say it's trouble. But that little minnow was just doing this, and I just took it, and I just would drop it right in front of her mouth. See, this is just like Victoria. Come on. And all of a sudden, that fish did that, and I did that, and before I know it, he's on the bank. And listen, Mom's got a picture, and before you know it, he's in the frying pan. That's exactly how the voice of the tempter works. There's really only one thing we should tell, we should say when the tempter speaks to us. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. I say it too. 2 Corinthians 10, let me, close, let me close here and then we'll close in prayer. There's a battle in your mind. There's a battleground of your mind. Listen to what this Bible says. Though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war. Now we're talking about a spiritual war. We're not waging war according to the flesh with knives and guns. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now it becomes very clear. A stronghold is a military term, but this is a spiritual stronghold in your mind. It's the person that's addicted to something that has the potential to destroy them. Verse 5, we destroy arguments, now think of the mind, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And notice what it says, we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every captive. We take every... That's right. The things that are drifting through my mind, some of them I don't want to be there. And this is where, as we close this morning, the Bible says, as we began in Peter, that when that roaring lion comes with his lying voice, with his tempting voice, or as I'll teach you next week, his accusing voice or his voice of offense, I need to resist him because what he's offering is not good. What he's offering will destroy my life. And I don't want to end up in the rat trap. How about you? Come on. I want to end up listening to the right voice in a place of blessing. Give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to close with prayer this morning. And I, as you're standing, let me encourage you, don't think about the hamburger or spaghetti, whatever you're going to eat yet. Just, just stay here just a minute or two. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? You see, it's not just the hearers of the word that are justified, the Bible says, but it's doers. And, and, and I wonder if the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you today. And I wonder what you'll say. I wonder if God has revealed some things, exposed some things, showed you some things where Satan is lying to you and you need to make some changes. I wonder if... I wonder if you understand that what Satan has been tempting you with is not something to make life better, but it's a trap. I want you to just say yes to the Lord. I want you to just pray right now. I'll say, Holy Spirit, help me. My spirit's willing, but my flesh is weak. Let's just do this. I want you to slip your hands up to heaven and say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
Help me be a stronger spiritual person. Help me make a commitment today to renew my mind with the Word of God, with truth. Help me today, Lord, to be able to discern the voice and not give in to the, the wrong voice, but to say yes to the right voice. Help me, Holy Spirit, because I know I'm weak. Come, Holy Spirit, today. I give you my life. Take it like a, a piece of clay and make me into the man of God, the woman of God that you want me to be. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. We're going to close with prayer, and I'm going to give you a personal opportunity for prayer today. You may, you, may, you may feel a great need to respond to this, something that God has spoken to you. You want someone in confidence to pray with you. Listen, that's a big, big thing, and I would highly encourage it, particularly if you've had a long-standing battle with something. Let's believe God that something supernatural can happen in your life. In just a minute as well, I'm going to give opportunity. Maybe you're here and you'd like to become a part of our church. You'd like to join our church. See, what, what do I have to do? What steps do I have to take? How do I get involved here at Church on the Rock? In just a minute, we'll give you a chance to come and talk to someone. They'll tell you how. But I want to ask this last prayer, the most important one. Is, it's this. Do you have a real relationship with Christ? Are you saved? Have you been born again? If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Is God the man upstairs or is he my, 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 my savior? Is he, is he the man upstairs or is he my heavenly father? Is Jesus just some holy figure or is he your, your savior? See, it's very different. I was raised in church like, like many of you here today, but how I many know going to church doesn't make you a Christian? What makes you a Christian is when you surrender your life to Christ. I knew enough about Christ, the Bible, and religion that when I was in trouble as a, as a teenager, I, I knew to pray and ask God to help me. But boy, as soon as it was over, God's back on the shelf again and I'm living for me. Well, what it means to be a Christian is to turn your heart to follow Christ. It doesn't mean that you become perfect, but it means the life that you were living, controlled by yourself, that you literally turn around, it's repenting, and you say, Jesus, I need forgiveness. Accept me. I believe in you. But now help me live for you the rest of my life. And I want to walk with you all my days. That's what it means to be a Christian. When you turn your heart to God, and here's the deal, it's more than willpower. And I don't know how this works, but I can tell you it's real. Somehow God, by His Holy Spirit, comes to be a part of your life. And God begins to give you desires that you didn't have anymore. And then you begin to open the Bible and it becomes real because God is revealing Himself to you. And if you're here today and you feel like I am really speaking to you right now, you need to commit your life to Christ. I'd be honored to pray for you. Maybe you're here and it's the first time you've ever prayed to receive Christ as your Savior. Or, or maybe you did it in the past and, 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 and you got away. But today you're coming back. I especially want to speak to you right now that are having a torment right now. Something says go for prayer and something else says get out the door and get out of here as quick as you can. Is it just possible that there's a right voice and there's a wrong voice? I believe it is. If you're here today, say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to submit to the right voice and become a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's you today, I'd be honored to pray with you. Just lift your hand real quickly. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to commit my life to Christ today. Anyone this morning, say, pray for me. Pray for me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to put my life in His hands. God bless you there in the back. I can't see. I see your hand. God bless you. Anybody else today? God bless you too, guys. One, two, three. Very, very proud of you. Jesus sees this. The Bible says angels in heaven are rejoicing. Anybody else today say pray for me? All right, you that lifted your hand, come on up right now. Let us pray for you right now. Come on, guys, slip out of your chairs. Let us pray for you. Give them one more big hand as they're coming. Say, I, I want to commit my life to Christ today. Someone else needs to be here. Come on, let us pray with you today. I need to get my life on track with God. I need to turn my heart to God and His ways. God bless you, everybody. We are very proud for you. Listen.
Let me have one word. I need to close the congregation. It's the best decision you've ever made. I'm telling you, every step you make to God is always a right decision. I, I will not try to tell you you'll never have another problem in life, but I'll tell you this, whatever you face, you'll know that the Lord is with you because He is real and He cares. We've got some friends at the altar. They're going to talk with you. They're going to pray with you then, and then they're going to give you something to help you live the Christian life because today is a start. See, it's like, I don't know what you're going to be when you, when you officially grow up, but, but let's say if you want to be an engineer or an architect. Well, today is like uh, you just started college or you're just in ninth grade, you know, trigonometry class or in twelfth grade, whatever the case is. It's a start, and we're going to give you some things that will help you finish strong. We love you. We're real proud of you. Give them one more big hand. Let's close with prayer right now. Our prayer team is going to come around the altar right now. They're going to come around the altar. If you need prayer for anything, I want to invite you to come as we sing this through one time. And if you'd like to become a part of our church and you want to know how to do it and what to do next, I want you to meet right over here with Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike, wave your hand here. And uh, one of our pastors, he'll meet you right here and he'll get you in the right direction. Just begin to sing, guys. You need prayer, you come. I love you.